I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Editing Podcast. And this week, we're delighted to welcome back the fabulous Laura Portwood-Stacer. Now, last time, Laura shared all her tips on academic developmental editing. She did, and very fabulous they were too. But Laura also specialises in helping authors develop book proposals, and we thought that would be a really brilliant topic to explore. So we asked her back, and here she is. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me back. So to kick off, Laura, tell us what an academic book proposal is. What are we dealing with here? Yeah, so, you know, many kinds of authors write book proposals, mostly nonfiction authors, but academic book proposals are their own animal, and that's what I specialize in. So um, it's really a tool that demonstrates an author's ability to produce a viable work of scholarship that will be readable and appealing to a target audience of mostly other academics. Mm-hmm. And it's most commonly submitted to a scholarly publisher, which might be a university press or a commercial academic publisher. So the proposal document itself is really a marketing pitch, as much as anything, mm-hmm. um, from the author to a publisher, and then also to peer reviewers who are academic experts who are enlisted by the publisher to evaluate the project's merit. And within the publisher, the proposal is read not just by the editorial staff, but also by the marketing and salespeople who are all assessing whether the project is a good investment for the publisher. And Mm. and that's true whether we're talking academic book proposals or regular trade nonfiction proposals. Mm. Mm. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because normally you'd have to go through an agent to, um, Mm -hmm. if you were for fiction, anyway, you'd have to go through an, uh, not always, but most of the time you'd have to go through an agent to, you'd, you, that's who you'd be pitching to. That, yes. That's how you'd you'd be writing your 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 query letter to. Well, well, that's mm-hmm. what they call it. Um, whereas here, you've actually the academics able to bypass that. But yes, I imagine there's still a slush pile that that yes. can, <laughs> they can easily be thrown onto. Yes, that's such a crucial difference. That so I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, you know, in trade publishing, yes, you often do need a literary agent to sort of get you in the door with an editor at a publisher. But in scholarly publishing, that is not the case. So they accept proposals directly from authors. But you're right, they receive a lot of them, you know, depending on the yeah. press and how competitive it is. So you do want to have that proposal stand out if you're an author. And I suppose some authors just don't know where to begin with that at all, really. And and they really need support to make sure they tick all the boxes, as it were. Yes, indeed. So how and why do editors get involved? Well, how do why do editors get involved with this type of work? I, I think I, I, I want to make sure the emphasis is right there, because um, uh, a lot of people listening who already work in perhaps scholarly publishing, but not on this side of thing, might be thinking, well, what would I do? Um, what kinds of editing am I being expected to do here? Is it even editing or is it something else? So spill the beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you know, we've already kind of established that the stakes are really high for, on the author's side. Yeah. Um, and they might need help with a few different things because they want to make a really good impression on that publisher. So they might... Um, seek developmental editing um, to, you know, help them 
identify and sharpen and clearly communicate what their book's argument is, um, that can be super important. And it can spell the difference between rejection and interest from a publisher, wow. having that clear argument, because a good topic alone is not usually enough to secure a publishing commitment. Right. And then authors may also uh, seek line editing or copy editing um, to make sure that the writing seems very accessible and appealing and polished and professional. Um, so those are all, all types of editing they might seek before they are you know, ready to submit a book proposal. Mm. But I, uh, the editor, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify with you, Laura, would the academic have completed their book before they proposed it to a publisher? Oh, that's a great question. So sometimes yes, but mm -hmm. not always. Right. Um, so some academic publishers do issue what's called an advanced contract, um, which is very common in just, you know, trade nonfiction publishing, mm -hmm. um, meaning that on the basis of the proposal and maybe a sample chapter, um, they would agree to publish the author's book, you know, provided it's well done at the end yeah. of it. So they may be working, an author may come to a uh, you know, a freelance editor to say, help me conceptualize this book and, and make it seem like something this publisher would be interested in before I write the whole thing. Right. And the benefit for editors um, of working on book proposals, you know, specifically for academic authors is that the stakes are very high for those authors. So they are willing to spend money for this kind of service. Um, mm -hmm. The expertise required is a bit specialized, um, and that allows you to command a higher rate for this kind of editing if you do have those required skills. Mm. Uh, they're also usually fairly short projects, so they may be easy to fit in between other projects. They don't take a big time commitment from you. But on the flip side, if you help someone with a proposal, that can be a trial run for an edit of their whole book manuscript. So you might get a very loyal client out of doing that kind of work. Yeah, actually um, sounds quite good. You know, short projects, well paid and leads to ongoing work. I mean, yeah. what's not to love about that, really? And yeah. actually, if, if any of you are listening and didn't haven't listened to um, the other episode with Laura, um, in which she talks about academic developmental editing and why that's a beneficial line of work that you might want to think about, I recommend you go and listen to that because we, we touch on this there as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Now, Laura, can we talk now about the degree to which academic book proposals differ from other types of book proposals? I know we touched on it briefly a little bit earlier, but um, can you maybe just go into a little bit more detail in, in how they differ? Yeah. So, so I, you know, some people listening may already have experience with sort of trade uh, book proposals. So it is important to understand the differences. Um, you know, scholarly publishers, just like all publishers, are looking for readability and market appeal, um, but they're also in the position of evaluating the intellectual merit of the project and the contributions that it makes to its scholarly fields. So, um, you know, as an editor, if you understand that that's what the publisher will be looking at, you can help the writer make a strong case for contribution in that proposal document. Mm. Um, so you might um, be pushing your clients to articulate, you know, why their research matters or what its larger stakes are. Um, and to be able to say, you know, pretty specifically who in the scholarly community they're in conversation with. Now that's not something you necessarily need to know the answers to as the mm -hmm. editor, but you mm -hmm. can push your writer to articulate those answers. Yeah. It's, yeah, actually, it's, it's sort of understanding the foundations, isn't it? So that you can guide your author. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like knowing the right questions to ask and the right exactly. to hit really, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, um, Laura, who actually evaluates these academic book proposals? Um, um, what are they looking for? I mean, you've, again, you've touched on this a little bit already, but I, I guess there's more to say. Yeah, this is so important to understand like who the audience for this document is, because it's not the same as the audience for the book, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So the book proposal gets looked at by um, peer reviewers uh, who assess the work for, you know, the soundness of the scholarship, you know, a bit for the rigor of the scholarship. Sometimes they'll comment on the style or the organization of the project. Um, and these are they're scholars who are experts in the writer's field and subject matter. And okay. so if, if you're not, as the editor, if you're not trained in the client's field, you might not really be able to anticipate how peer reviewers will respond to the work. Mm -hmm. But again, you can help the author to be really clear about their argument and their evidence so that they have the best shot at connecting with those peer reviewers. Mm -hmm. And then the other people who assess the book proposal are the in-house staff at the publisher. Um, and so they're going to be looking at the book's appeal to readers. Um, they're going to want to know that there is an audience out there for this book. Um, and so they're going to need the author to clearly articulate who's going to want to read the book and why. And then that readership needs to match the ones that the press already has strengths in or wants to develop mm, strengths in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so either you as the editor might have that knowledge, you might know, be familiar with certain publishers and, and help your clients to sort of make that case for a fit. Um, or if, if you don't have that knowledge, that's okay. You can just, you know, again, push the author to make that case so that it, it comes through yeah. in the document. Laura, have you ever been in a situation where you've been working with a client um, who's looking to pitch a book proposal and they've said, you know, I want to go to, I don't know, University of California Press or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that actually for the particular subject matter, that actually that's their list they're less that, that your clients less likely to mm -hmm. get, get taken on board than if they were to go to another publisher or another couple of other publishers who've got stronger lists in that area have you ever been in a situation where you've actually sort of guided them towards um switching their um their, focus their, yeah and and, yeah. and, their, and who who they're gonna who they're gonna work with yeah yeah that's a great question um and yes i always emphasize how important fit is. And so, you know, I'm usually more likely to do that guidance of helping the author come to the decision of which publisher is right for them. I, I would never want to feel like I uh, discourage them. them or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I usually say, let them tell you no, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you might as well try, but I do try to help people kind of strategize. Okay. What are the two or three that are most likely to be really receptive to this? That'll mm. save you some time, you know? Mm. Mm. So Laura, I, I think what we're, what's been made really clear here is just how critical getting this book proposal correct is and, you know, how pivotal it's going to be for an academic's career to, to get published and, and to be well published. Um, so with the book proposal, what are the key elements that they really need to hit the mark on? And are there any in particular that they typically need the most help with? Yeah, so, so I will say every publisher will have their kind of submission guidelines. So they will tell you what the elements that they are looking to um, get when you mm -hmm. submit. Um, but 
the language that they use to describe those elements often doesn't really make sense to somebody who doesn't work in publishing. <laughs> so it's, it can sometimes be hard for authors to understand. Um, so yeah, so as an editor, it's you may be in the position of explaining what needs to go in this proposal. So, so these are the, the key elements. You know, the title of the book, it can be a working title. It, the book might end up published under a different title, but the, the proposal will have a title in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a project description or an overview that, you know, maybe just a couple of pages long that basically sets out um, the aims of the book, the contribution it makes, its core thesis, um, and kind of how it tells the story. Um, then publishers will usually ask for some statement of the book's readership um, or its audience or its market. You know, they use different terms for that. Um, They will also often ask for a discussion of the comparable works or competing titles. You know, again, they might use different terminology. Um, Then they will also ask for an annotated table of contents, uh, or in other words, summaries of each of the chapters that will end up being in the book. Mm -hmm. And then they'll want some more um, kind of practical details like the the specs, like how how many words is this manuscript? How many images are in it? um, How much of it is complete right now? How much, when does the author anticipate the full manuscript being complete? Um, And then they'll want some information about the author they may ask for a CV or just kind of a little narrative bio. Um, and then often they will also want a sample chapter or multiple quite, chapters to go with the proposal. Quite extensive, isn't it? Yeah. This is, this is a, this is more than a query letter. This is, a, yes. this is a major piece of work that they're submitting in itself. Yes. Yeah. And you need to have, the author needs to have a pretty solid understanding of what this book is going to be um, to be able to write a convincing proposal. Um, And as far as what elements authors need the most help with, I will say they probably need help with everything. (laughs) But um, there are a couple aspects that are kind of most commonly misunderstood or where authors kind of miss an opportunity to make a case for their book. And one of those is that discussion of comparable works and competing titles. Um, you know, especially academics, they often think of this as being like a literature review, like, oh, I should talk about, you know, all the work that I'm building on and show how, yeah. you know, intellectually strong I am and my credentials and everything. But it's really not about that for the mm-hmm. publisher. Um, the publisher wants to know, is there a lively current market for books like this one? Yeah. So, so you as the, you know, if you are a, an editor who helps with book proposals, you can be pushing your authors to figure out what the recently published books are um, and not to focus on the theoretical nuances of those books that like people in their field might be really concerned with, but think more about the broad features of those books that would, the things that would lead someone to buy a book. Yeah. Um, And Mm -hmm. then think about how your book would appeal to those same readers who are reading those other books that are currently on the market. It's interesting because uh, you keep coming back to this. This really is a, a marketing exercise, isn't it? Uh, it's mm-hmm. a sales exercise rather than the intellectual arguments will come in the book. But the, this this process here is they're pitching. Yeah. The intellectual argument is still really important because mm. um, especially for a scholarly publisher, um, they do want to see that in there and they do need to understand why other scholars will find the book valuable. Um 
but yeah, it's good not to get too caught up in that or too in the weeds with it, I guess. It's a, you know, it's you a balance. Paint it in broad strokes. Yeah. 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 I'd like to ask another question. Yeah. I want to know if, um, you, you mentioned earlier that um, different presses will have different requirements. Mm -hmm. um, so when an academic is proposing a book, do they, do they approach one press at a time? And do they need, if they're not successful with a press, does their book proposal typically need a lot of tweaking to, before you approach another one? Oh, this is a great question. So, um, and I think it's a personal question. Mm -hmm. So it is perfectly acceptable to submit a book proposal to multiple publishers. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, many authors do choose to just do one at a time or maybe a couple at a time. Um, because if you get interest from more than one, then that can get kind of complicated. Mm. Um, uh, it's still fine, but because of the way um, scholarly publishing works, you know, publishers send the materials out for peer review. Um, and so that's an investment on their part. And they may not want to do that if they know other publishers are in the mix. Mm -hmm. The author does need to be kind of transparent that they are submitting to multiple places. And definitely if the publisher shows interest, then you want to be transparent that, well, I am talking to multiple people. You know, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I suppose is there also an element that if, if say a proposal went through and there was some feedback that this, this particular publisher wouldn't be taking it on because of X, Y, and Z, if it's, if it goes out one at a time, I suppose potentially the author's got the chance to come back mm -hmm. and work with you mm -hmm. and revisit things. Or it could be that they had not worked with someone like you, Laura, first of mm -hmm. all, had a difficult time and then realize they need help and then they can use that feedback to work with you I mean have you had that where you've actually yes um been able to sort of come in at a later stage than yes. because the, the, the the author found out the hard way yes yeah to. I would say that's quite common um that people haven't had luck and so they're looking to kind of take take their proposal up a notch um or they may the author may not have understood the importance of fit and getting the publisher right. Mm -hmm. um, that's the easiest reason that publishers reject um, proposals. Mm -hmm. So um, as, as somebody who works on book proposals, you know, as a freelancer, you may be able to help them see, well, you need to make a better case for fit at the, pu the publisher that you're going to target. Mm -hmm. So editors always need information from a client before they accept a job. I certainly do. Um, what kinds of contextual information in particular should an editor gather from an author before working on a book proposal? Yeah, this is huge. I, I probably wouldn't want to work with a, an author before understanding um, certain things. Mm -hmm. um, so I would want to know, do they have a target press in mind? Um, you know, if they do have a specific publisher, you can go look at the press's website and their submission guidelines and and then you can apprise the author of anything specific they might be missing mm. in their proposal. Um, you also really want to know what kind of audience the author is trying to write for, um, because some academics are writing for a strictly academic audience. Some of them want to demonstrate that they can write more of a crossover book that could have a broader audience. So if you understand that, you can help them 
you know, style the proposal and the writing and their discussion of the readership and the comps and you know, every element of the proposal is dependent on that audience. So um, understanding that is really key. And then I also want to know, has the author already spoken to any publishers? Have they received any interest? Because um, that, that kind of changes the stakes of what you need to do um, when you're working on the proposal. You know, if they have already gotten some interest and a supportive editor, then the proposal maybe doesn't need to be so perfect at the point of mm. submission. Um, but on the other hand, if the author is coming to you having received a lot of rejection or a lot of negative feedback, then you might really need to help them get that stellar proposal together yeah. if they want to yeah. have a chance of moving forward. And I would say it's also really important to manage expectations with clients. Um, I've never had an issue with this, but you want to make clear that you can't guarantee them a book contract. You know, the best yeah. proposal in the world might still be the wrong fit, might not have the market appeal. Um, so, so it's good to remind people that some of these publication decisions are subjective and have nothing to do with the quality of the work. Um, so, you know, the best they can do is to put their best foot forward and, and hope for the best. Well, the publisher yeah. might have run, run out of budget or something. Exactly. You, you just don't know, do you? So, um, that's a really important point. Yeah. Yeah. So Laura, to wrap up, let's have a quick chat about how editors can learn about this. Now, you mentioned in the other episode that we recorded with you that you've got a course for professional editors about academic developmental editing, but mm -hmm. you've got a book as well, haven't you? Can you tell us a little bit about how those can help? Yeah, so, so I do have the course, the Developmental Editing for Academics, and there's a whole module in there just on working on book proposals. Um, but then if you would like to kind of read up on this, I have last year published a book called the book proposal book, um, very, you know, workmanlike <laughs> title. Tin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so that you know has everything someone would need to put together uh, a proposal that will be successful with academic publishers. Um, and so I recommend that to editors, but also you know it's available to the scholars uh, and the writers themselves. So it's something you can recommend to your clients. Um, yeah, and it's I have to say the book is just so easy to navigate and to read and what I really love about it is that you have at the end of every chapter you've got those time-tested tips mm -hmm. and then frequently asked questions and that's I think that's so useful for readers just to have these little nuggets at the end of each that really give them practical advice and answer all these questions that are probably bubbling about in their heads so mm -hmm. I, I Absolute think gold it's really practical yeah and for great. editors you know authors always have the same questions. So if, if you've read the book, then you'll be able to answer those questions. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> we will make sure we put a link to that book um, in the show notes, as well as the course as, as well, Laura. Thank you. Yes. And there's actually, there's a discount on the course. Um, if people yeah. want to take a look at that, um, if you use the coupon code editing podcast, all caps, all one word, you'll get 10% off the course. Oh, marvellous. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that's so lovely. So that is it for this week. Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back again. Um, you're just full of wisdom. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, it's been lovely speaking to you again, Laura. And we hope you've all enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. 
yeah thank you so much for listening now if you'd like to help support the editing podcast you can join our patreon community for as little as three pounds a month and get exclusive access to live q a's for just a few quid more yeah we'd absolutely love to have you on board so if you're interested just hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast and we'll include the link to that in the show notes too so she's been louise and she's been denise and once more she's been laura join us again soon take care now bye bye bye